Hi, and welcome to Seriously Single. I am your host, Brianne Hogan, a dating and relationships writer who's been single for, well, I'm not going to say forever, but gosh, sometimes it does feel like that. Anyway, so let's get into today's episode. As much as I want this podcast to be an empowering space for single women to really just take control and charge of their lives and to realize that, you know, you can live your best life as a single woman right here, right now, I do realize that many of you, myself included, do want a relationship. We are seeking that partner, that committed relationship. So how do we do this when we're single though? Like how do we find that person after the string of failed relationships and and find that right person for us. And I think we have to take radical responsibility for how we've shown up in relationships. I think that's like the first huge step in the process of finding that right conscious relationship, a healthy relationship, an, an emotionally available and mature relationship. In order to do so, we have to really look at ourselves and ask ourselves the question, are we emotionally available Are we emotionally mature? And how have we been showing up in our relationships? This process takes a lot of healing, self-awareness, and time, and also probably assistance from other experts and coaches who can help you look at your blocks and look at your patterns and help you attract the relationship of your dreams, the healthy relationship of your dreams. I really want to just bring it on home of like, we're attracting healthy relationships, conscious relationships, mature relationships. Like We don't want to repeat the same relationships we've always had. We want to attract better. And in order to do so, we need to grow as well. And for me personally, I've had to realize my own attachment style, which leans towards anxious, but I can also be avoidant. So that's a whole other can of worms. And really like taking an honest look at how I've shown up and things that I've done or haven't done or communicate or haven't communicated. And including, you know, realizing that in some instances, like I'm not emotionally available. Like I haven't been as vulnerable as I think that I've I have been and I'm like no Brianne actually you haven't been so this is all like part of the inventory I think we have to do in order to have that like really good juicy amazing healthy I'm gonna say that again relationship that we want to have in our lives so today's guest is a really great example of someone who was able to do that work on herself and who was able to rewrite her patterns and to attract a long-lasting healthy relationship her name is Anwar Abdu and she is a relationship educator the author of the vulnerability workbook and the founder of the school of relating after years of unsatisfying relationships Anwar transformed her love life through multiple therapy forms and self-help tools, interviewing hundreds of relationship experts as a writer and coaching one-to-one clients. By doing so, she uncovered a universal challenge that people experience in love, the relationships that we have with ourselves, which keeps us stuck in difficult dynamics in perpetual heartbreak. Anwar's process helps others connect back to their self-awareness, develop emotional intelligence, learn to trust themselves, and use their discernment to be vulnerable in constructive ways. As a result, her clients create create intentional communication patterns and become equipped to experience the healthy, deeply fulfilling relationships they deserve centered around meaningful, authentic connection and emotional availability. This is what I'm talking about. This is this is what we deserve. This is the type of relationships we want to have and cultivate in our own life. But first, we have to start with ourselves. So we talk about all this stuff in our conversation today. And I learned a lot from Anwar's experience and her wisdom and insight, and I know you will too. So without further ado, here is the interview with Anwar Abdu. It's time to seriously talk about being single. Hi, Anwar. Welcome to Seriously Single. It's so great to see you and have you here on the show. It's so nice to see you too. Thanks for having me. So this is my first question to you. Are you currently single? No, I am recently married. I got married on May 6th of this year. Okay. Okay. So when was the last time you were single? Um, The last time I was single was, okay, 
I've been with my husband for about three years now. So it was right before that. Okay. Um, I was 31 and had recently ended an engagement. Um, it wasn't a disastrous, dramatic ending, but I knew what I wanted in relationships moving forward. Mm-hmm. And I embarked on this sort of like singlehood experiment, which led me to meeting my now husband. Okay. So when you were single, I have a couple questions. One, what was the longest period of time that you were single? Do you have, can you recall? Um, about, well, hmm, about a year and a half mm-hmm. that time, mm-hmm. at least the longest period of time I count yeah. because I feel like I was in my thirties and I was more mature. Yeah. Um, I was single for longer than that when I was younger, yeah. like in my early twenties yeah. and then met my ex and was in a long-term relationship. So it, it really felt like two completely different, uh, states of singlehood okay so let's say like a year and a half like for for the purpose of this okay 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 so a year and a half between you ended an engagement and then you met your partner now so what changed so why why did you end the engagement I mean you just kind of mentioned that you were you know incompatible looking for something different but like what was that shift for you knowing that you wanted to have more It was progressive, actually. I spent, so I'm, you know, I love that I got to enjoy being single and discover what that was like, because I always say like, I'm more of a relationship kind of person, but it was important that I did that. And um, when I say it was a process, I basically spent my 20s like being obsessed with a guy, (laughs) my ex-fiance. And um you know, I chased him, I convinced him basically to be in a relationship, sort of like the ultimate fantasy, you date the emotionally unavailable guy, Mm -hmm. or you end up in a situationship with him, he keeps seeing you, but he says he's not ready, he doesn't want to commit. And I somehow, well, in my mind back then, Mm -hmm. after all this efforting and convincing and performing and people pleasing, got to the guy. Mm -hmm. But what what was really powerful about that is that once you do get the commitment you're seeking from a person like that, things don't magically change. The relationship remained imbalanced. Mm -hmm. The relationship remained emotionally unsatisfying. Um, And while we did grow together and evolve together, um, and I developed a lot of like new skills during that relationship because it was all my all of my 20s. I went to therapy. I learned how to communicate my needs, how to set boundaries. Um, and that helped the relationship. And that also got me to a point where I realized I wanted something different. And it's sort of what uh, culminated into our separation mm. and me embarking on this journey. Mm. I'm curious because... I, I- you were already going to therapy during that time. So I would assume that you were kind of already in your healing journey. You you know what I mean? Like you were kind of already realizing like, Hey, maybe I shouldn't do the chasing. Maybe those patterns weren't really healthy for me. So what like helped you gain insight into your patterns with guys? Um, well, It was quite glaring at first. Mm. It sounds like almost like embarrassing, but what sent me to therapy was not that I was like that mature back then. Mm. I was just starting to be more seriously involved with my ex Mm. and thinking like, oh my God, I feel so needy. I feel so obsessed. Mm. Like, um, I feel like he's going to leave me. (laughs) So I better get to therapy and address that. So initially, even that was driven by this sort of like not enoughness. Mm. And um, I would say that while I healed in the relationship and shifted some of those patterns, when I was single again, some of the like, messy flings I had during that time reflected those patterns back to me. But what I decided to decided to do each time is use each like random like fling or uh, situation with a man to get sort of like feedback loops mm. about the patterns that I was working through and to do things differently and see things differently and um yeah, so I would say my my life was basically a mirror to these patterns 
um, because of the self-awareness that I had developed in therapy, I was able to sort of like reverse engineer certain situations and, and connect the dots. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I always say that I think, and I think it's true for everyone, but like life is reflecting back to you who you are. So, you know, the, the people that you're interacting with, the relationships that you're having, they are like your biggest mirror. Like they are your biggest indicator of where you're at, like emotionally, even though it's like a hard reality sometimes to accept. And you can, I mean, I'm speaking from my experience, like I can um, deny it. I can think, oh, maybe I'll change. Like tell myself those stories about guys. Like if they're keeping, like you just mentioned the emotionally unavailable guy. So, cause that was my guy. That's my archetype when it comes to men. I'm hoping that I'm changing that right now. But for me, that was like, that's my archetype. So for me with my last, with my ex, it was always like, well, he'll change. You know what I mean? Like we'll spend enough time together and he'll want to be with me or we'll get to that point where we can be more open and honest and blah, blah, blah. Like all these excuses. I'm just acknowledging that, uh, <laughs> it's a, I think it's a place that every woman can, can relate to is just kind of like, Oh, like, why is this still happening to me? If you're at that place of self-awareness, for sure. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And I mean, I love what you said about um, our sort of like the people we attract mirroring our own like journey and where we're at. I couldn't agree more. I found that to be very true. And the more I healed, um, actually, like the more the quality, I don't want to say quality, because like, we're talking about human beings, but I guess the quality of the relationships, and the emotional availability of the men that I was meeting, and even the way they were treating me started, like matching that. And that was really encouraging to see. Because even though you can be on a healing journey and feel like I hope I'm working through that, oh, but I'm still running up against it. When you have those wins, like, I think it's important to celebrate them too. You may still not be like where you know, in the relationship that you're hoping for, but it's still a win if you're having way better and healthier interactions with romantic partners than a few years ago. Yeah, I agree. And I liked what you said about when you started to date again, how you were kind of still looking at those men as like experiments almost like to tell you information about yourself. Because again, like we were just talking about, like they, the people that we're interacting with, like they're telling us who we're attracting, like our value, like our sense of self-worth, basically, right? And so I think it's a good takeaway for women or anyone who's listening. When you're dating, like, I think there's so much emphasis on like getting the partner, like finding the whatever, we're, we're talking about men right now, but like finding the partner, finding the guy, like the one, like even though like, I don't really know if that's a thing. <laughs> but instead of like looking at it as like an experiment for yourself, like we, you don't really know about life. You don't know about dating, but you can use the people that you're dating as a tool for your own self-awareness. Like even if you don't know if it's going to actually go anywhere, you can take that still as information to show yourself, okay, like this is where I'm at emotionally because this is the type of person I'm attracting. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely was in that mindset because again having like I was so desperate to like get engaged and get married in my previous relationship so to make peace with like ending the relationship meant that I I wasn't putting as much emphasis on that like my I was you know I wasn't like oh my god I need to get a relationship right now um so that allowed me to be in this sort of mindset of exploration and um growth and experimentation uh, and it was a really valuable place to be in instead of feeling this like, oh my God, this needs to work. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I, and I, I think it's a great place to be in because I think it's really easy and I think it help, happens to a lot of people that they get into this space where they're dating someone and they just really want to make it work because they do want to settle down. Like they do want to get married and, and they are ignoring a lot of red flags. I know I certainly... <laughs> I certainly have for sure. Um, but I think it's a great thing for, for people to just take dating, as you said, like ex exploring, like exploring another person, exploring you through dating. It doesn't have to be 
an end all be all situation. And as you're working on yourself, like you did, like, I think dating is a good practice to put into practice, like tools that you're learning about yourself. And, and like you said, like learning how to communicate, learning how to set boundaries, like people are good practice for that when you're dating. Yeah, I mean, it's so it's so important, because like, and I do believe, you know, while I was in that more relaxed mindset, I do believe there's nothing wrong with like wanting a relationship. It's it's good to know what you want. And I knew that I wanted that for myself, like marriage, commitment and a family. Um, I still kept that in the back of my mind. Uh, But if that's the goal, right, the goal is not to just get to like, walking down the aisle, it's to have a a fulfilling relationship with someone. And that takes nurturing and that takes a certain set of skills. So if you're like practicing those skills while dating, even if you're not meeting the person you're going to marry right away, at least you're setting the foundation up for a successful relationship whenever you do um, meet someone and connect with them and evolve the relationship into something more serious. So it's not, it's a win-win. You, you really can't go wrong. I'm a big fan of, of using dating as a launch pad to, to practice those relationship skills. Yeah. And I think that's really smart. I I think I've been trying to learn that myself as, um, as I just ended like a, like a longish situationship with my first love such guy. Anyway, um, <laughs> it's like a long story that I don't really, we can get into, but right, not right now, but anyway, but as I've been interacting with other men post, um, or whatever, our breakup, like, it's so weird when you're in those situations. It's like, is it a breakup? Um, it feels like a breakup, but it's not technically one, which everyone gets, that's the whole thing. You get stuck into those situations. But anyway, I've been like looking at guys and the, my situations with them, my experiences with them is like, okay, Brianne, like they're really showing you, like, I want a relationship too. Like I know what I want, but I know with my interactions with men recently, I'm like, oh, okay. Like I'm really taking it as a lesson for me to learn about me and how I'm ignoring red flags. Because even though I've done like you, like I've done a lot of work on myself, but and you just said earlier, like, it's always a process, like you can do all this work on yourself, and you can even be in the relationship of your dreams, but you're still always working on yourself, and recognizing things about things that you'd like to change. So I've even me, I was like, this guy over the summer, red flags. I know that there were there, but I was like, but he's got more green ones. So I'm going to ignore the little red ones that I see. And then it was those little red ones that ended up blowing everything apart. <laughs> obviously, obviously, but it, it, but it, I just, it just was an example for me of like, okay, like you knew that you ignored it. So next time don't ignore it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it sounds like this is making me think that it's, it's that you're talking about self-trust, right? Mm. On your journey and sort of like, I think when we've, I think when we've been um, engaging in relationships that end in like heartbreak or we keep choosing quote unquote the wrong people or ignoring red flags, it can erode our, our self-trust a little bit. And um, I feel like looking back and being like, okay, no, I was aware. I just chose to ignore it is a more empowering place to be in what you just Mm -hmm. described because you're like not just feeling shaky and at the mercy of circumstances. Like what if, you you know, because you can be dating and be in a place where you're terrified Mm -hmm. after attracting like one unavailable person after the other, you can be like, unsure that you'll have the capacity to even judge what red flags are. Mm. So I feel like what, what you're sharing is like sort of speaking to this journey of self-trust too while while meeting people. Yeah, that's a and that's a good point and and it's true because I think a lot of us can ignore those little red flags or like the little voice inside of us saying, eh, I don't know or even just a feeling like with this with this guy I just had a feeling where I was like, yeah, I, I like him and I enjoy my time with him. But there was something about our interaction where I was like, I still wasn't sure. Like there was always a part of me that just wasn't sure. And I think that was my intuition telling me like, that's the thing. Like you're not sure about him because it's just not right. I like, think it's not a right situation. But because he was like 
very different compared to my ex, like in terms of like more consistent, uh, more emotionally available, these things that I wasn't having in my previous relationship or situation ship. Um, (laughs) I thought, I think, it was easy for me to kind of like move past the uncertainty because I was like, okay, well maybe I'm just not used to this kind of a person. Right. So Mm -hmm. I was kind of like making, I think in hindsight an excuse, but, but in all fairness to myself, I think I was adapting to somebody who was completely different in terms of like communication and, and, and openly demonstrating, you know, his affection for me. But, but at the end of the day, yeah, like I, I was still kind of like, yeah, I don't know about him. So Oh, well that that means you're you're basically like that little voice, like that self-trusting inner knowing, it was there. Yeah. Like you can see in hindsight that it was there. Yeah, it was. It was. It's just, now it's just like when I hear it next time to like listen to it. Like and to trust it. As you said, to trust to trust what you're feeling. And and we were just talking a little bit about something before we started recording, but I think it's just there's this fear that maybe we all have is like when we like someone, we don't, it's scary to like let them go in the, in the, especially if you're just like early stages dating because dating is fucking hard. No one really likes it. So when you find someone you like, yeah, they're not checking off all the boxes and yeah, they're having like red flags, but you're like, well, maybe it's like going to be okay. So then we start using these little like excuses and not trusting ourselves and not trusting that we can find the person because we're just, well, we're just not trusting. So, <laughs> And because we want like a, a positive outcome. I think ultimately that's what can keep us going as far as being vulnerable, opening our hearts. Like that's scary and it sucks when it doesn't work out. But I feel that having this like bigger vision, like I remember um, after a fling, like with someone that I really, really liked that didn't work out and that left me feeling like very like you know that feeling when you're like cringing inside you're like what was I thinking to think this was going to be something I feel disappointed I feel embarrassed um I think what kept me going is just that like bigger vision for Mm -hmm. what I wanted and sort of like you know what I get to have this like no matter my past no matter my patterns no matter what just happened with this guy and that guy um if I just keep showing up even when it's messy um and working through those things and exploring, it doesn't have to be perfect, but I, I get to have that eventually. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's important. And it's important to know that, like, to me, that speaks to your sense of self worth, though, like to know that, like, you can have that and that that's possible for you. You know what I mean? Which I think is an important key to it because I don't know if a lot of people sometimes who are stuck in patterns, like know that they can have better, you know? Yeah. Oh, you're so right. I mean, it was it was like created from the inside out, that sense of self-worth over time. It it was like practically inexistent when I was younger. Mm-hmm. And I would say there's another piece that I discovered, at least on my journey, and that I think people talk about less. There's the self-worth piece of like, I get to have this. And there's there's the safety piece of feeling safe with intimacy, with commitment. Mm. Uh, Because I don't know if you can relate to this, but at first, like I was so used to like chasing and pining and longing and obsessing. And that was my pattern Mm -hmm. and hoping that things would change. And this in a way, when you're talking about people mirroring us, you might think like, oh, I'm such an empath. I want love. I'm so sensitive. Like, of course, I'm emotionally available. But when you look at that pattern a little more closely, like that's not real intimacy, mm-hmm. right? Like when you're busy, like being obsessed with someone uh, who in an imbalanced relationship, you're not actually living true vulnerability, which is like, I'm going to show myself and all my flaws and be held in that and be loved in that and share that with another person. And that can be, that can feel super unsafe. And it's sometimes why we stay stuck in those patterns. So the self-worth piece was huge for me, but the safety piece as well, being safe with having, well, emotional safety, consistency, vulnerability, intimacy, all of that. 
um, was really game changing. So how did you get comfortable with being, I guess, uncomfortable, really? I, well, there there are a few steps. So I guess like this is a good time to like mention the beginning of my relationship with my husband, Mm -hmm. which wasn't like all perfect. Like we met on our date and then it was like happily Mm -hmm. ever after. But when I went on that date with him, I remember setting an intention and my intention was like, I'm just going to be my authentic self Mm -hmm. because in the past, I hadn't, and part of it was my fault because I contorted myself so much in my previous relationship, but I lost myself. And what I really wanted was to feel loved for who I truly am. Mm. So I'm like, okay, the only way to be able to get a relationship like that is to allow myself to be seen first, which was uncomfortable. Mm. Like you said, it's uncomfortable when we're used to like uh, performing or pleasing or having these masks because we're terrified to just be ourselves and all our quirky and perfect glory mm-hmm. that's scarier because if you get rejected it hurts more so anyway that was my intention going on the date and I <laughs> I had read like way too much content back then about like um, feminine energy mm. and whatnot and I had I remember having these stories in my head that were a bit limiting beliefs around like I was really passionate about leadership and management back then mm. Um, and worrying that that would be too overpowering or intimidating. And on that date, like, I just sort of like, I was like, you know what, I might never see this person again. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to be myself. I like talked his ear off about like corporate culture (laughs) as a first date topic, just let my full like nerdy side come out. And, and we connected. It was great. Mm -hmm. It was, uh, I kept checking in with myself he texted me the next day and I was surprised because it was uncomfortable to me to be myself. And Mm. I didn't fully believe that someone could like, like me. Mm. Um, So that was a little piece of like positive evidence that allowed me to kept venturing out in the discomfort. And when we first had to, you know, get to the point to have very real, scary conversations around like, things that I knew I had to voice, like what I want, what I was looking for, like commitment, marriage, babies, um, defining the relationship, my expectations. Mm -hmm. That was so terrifying to voice. And I was like, no, the version of myself and my like long-term vision, Mm -hmm. that's how she shows up. She Mm -hmm. communicates. So, well, how did I do it? I did it with my voice shaking and with like my notes on my phone. (laughs) (laughs) And that builds this sort of like muscle where it's funny because now it's so, it feels so natural to do that. But um, it it, it was like flexing new muscles and building like confidence um, over time Mm -hmm. and just, you know, going like slowly too and um, trusting myself more. That, that self-trust in a way was like a safety net that allowed me to feel safe enough that like if you rejected me, if things went wrong, I would ultimately be okay. Mm-hmm. And then that allowed me to feel safe enough to get out of my comfort zone more and more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, lo- I love that piece. And I think it's so important. But it's also really like esoteric because it's so like, how do you become safe? with you? Like, how do you start trusting you? And I think it's going to be different for everyone because everyone's like nuanced and has their own different like issues. But how, how did you build on self-trust? Like, how did you help develop that? Because now obviously I, I think it's just like a muscle, like you just, you just know you can. Yeah, I think it was, it was honestly, even like when you're connecting the dots on that last person you're seeing Mm -hmm. and you're looking at things in hindsight, looking at things in hindsight allowed me to see that like, while I would do certain things differently, I actually always did have that inner knowing. Maybe I didn't listen to it. Maybe I didn't always access it, but it was always there to some degree, Mm -hmm. even in the decision to end the relationship that was not aligned. Mm -hmm. So I decided to like, trust that as well as trust the knowledge that, hey, like heartbreak freaking sucks. Mm -hmm. It's horrible. But like, you go through it. Mm -hmm. And 
you end up being okay at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know that like, that's what self-trust is. It's not like nothing bad's going to happen or I can predict for sure how people are going to act. Even with all the discernment in the world, people can blindside you. Even with all the like, okay, green flags, you've been careful, you've done all the steps. They can still like, they're human beings. They can go rogue. They can betray you. They can hurt mm-hmm. you. And knowing that like, sort of like accepting that loss of control or that risk, knowing that you will be okay no matter what happens. Mm -hmm. I think like those are the perspective shifts that allowed me to, to develop more of that self-trust, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it it definitely does. And I mean, I've been kind of obsessed with this trend called master dating. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's on TikTok and it's really about, really it's about going out and dating yourself. And to me, I mean, I've, I've been single for a very long time and I'm, I'm an only child. So I'm very used to spending time on my own. So I'm like, oh, I'm really good at like advising people on how to do this. But for me too, it's just like what it is at the heart of like being by yourself and what you're talking about is you have to build a relationship with yourself and, and that's how you develop self-trust and it's learning how to be alone. So I think, I think being single is really important And I don't think it's talked about a lot, hence, I guess, the podcast. But like, I mean, I just think like that's the only period of time in your life when you're not committed and you don't have maybe kids or or maybe if you do even have kids, but you have this time in your life where you can work on you. And and this is the time where you can like develop a relationship with yourself. And I think the more time that you spend on you and loving yourself, like that self-trust that you're talking about is just going to be like a natural response from it because like you're like, Oh, I'm building this beautiful life for myself. So even if this person like leaves my life or breaks up with me, I'm going to be okay. You know, because I've developed a relationship with myself where I'm not like dependent on someone's feelings or validation for me to feel like I can have a good life, you know? Yeah. I love that. And I, and that relationship, we have it for life, right? Like, I feel like even now in the context of a relationship with someone else, I actively nurture it because that's also what keeps your relating healthy within partnership to, to not lose track of that relationship with yourself uh, is key. I mean, I still like like taking myself out for dinner by myself. Sometimes I, I love it. There's, I love that, that idea of dating yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've even, I even said that, like I made a TikTok about it because I'm not even really big into TikTok, but this trend like just was like, I, I can talk about it. So I even, I even spoke about that because you're right. Like even in a relationship, you still need a relationship with you. Like even when you're married, even when you're partnered up, like you still need to work on the relationship with yourself because as you said, one, like that's the most important relationship. You're stuck with you forever. But I also think like the more that you work on you and love you, it's just going to help your relationship. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Like, again, I think like when we're single, it's easy to see the relationship as a finish line, Mm -hmm. but it's not a finish line. It's just the beginning of entering this like dance with someone else, or you're going to balance like your own needs with their needs, or you're both going to evolve and change over time and have to nurture connection. And the first like entry point into doing that is your relationship with yourself. Yeah. So now that you're doing something totally different from your corporate life, which you mentioned, so you're doing conscious like dating relationships. So what was it about? Obviously like like this experience that you had, inspired you enough you were like okay like I'm, I can I can do this I can help other people so what was it about yeah like your singlehood to meeting your husband that inspired you to be like oh I want to help other people do this have this I think it's because like it became so glaring to me that like relationships can be challenging they can be complex like I've met so many people who are like so successful in their career, um, you know, that maybe their health and fitness and their well-being. And then that area just doesn't work. And it's such an important part of our lives. Like if we don't have the skills to relate with others, it's going to affect our quality of life. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So I think like realizing that made me really passionate about uh, raising awareness about these relationship skills that, you know, changed my life. Mm-hmm. I that can apply like universally. We're all different, but there's there's a skill set that applies universally that can help all sorts of relationships. And that I frankly thought like, hey, this should be taught from a young age. This should be taught in schools. I wasn't lucky enough to have. Um, a healthy model at home growing up. So I really feel like I had to learn everything from scratch. That's Mm -hmm. how I felt. Mm -hmm. So I got excited to share it with the world. And then um, I wrote a book called the vulnerability workbook and getting that project um, sort of made me realize that I was passionate about human relating. Mm -hmm. And even when I was in corporate and into leadership and management, what I was obsessed with was like human behavior. So it's sort of like all clicked into place. And um, I love it. Yeah, no, I love that story. And I love like your, your journey. And I think it's, yeah, I think you're right. We don't, we don't teach our kids like these fundamental skills, like, and relationships are, I think, the basis of the world. (laughs) So I don't know why we're not taught how to like, communicate our needs, set boundaries, like all, all these important pieces of what it means to have a healthy functional relationship, Uh, especially like, I mean, there's so many of us who didn't grow up in a household that like modeled a healthy relationship. I mean, myself included, hence why we're all walking around, not knowing what to do. (laughs) Exactly. So, I mean, we need more people like you doing that. So I'm curious. Okay. So you meet your husband I think a lot of people will want to know, how did you know that he was the one? Like, what were you kind of, with your work and keeping that in mind, like, you know, all this work that you've done on yourself, the the conscious relationship stuff, how how did you know that he was the one? So I had, well, I had a, you know, my vision that I had journaled about, uh, not just like traits, like, oh, I want him to be tall and I want him to be funny. Of course, those things are great. And he, he is both those things, but it was a little deeper than that. It was like, how will it feel to be in that relationship? Um, I wanted emotional, spiritual, intellectual, and physical connection. Mm. I wanted I wanted to feel the butterflies, but I also wanted the emotional safety, the commitment, Um, I wanted us to have a shared vision for the future and some shared values because that was an issue in my previous relationship where we didn't end up being compatible in the long run. So with that in mind, I was sort of like observing the evolution of our relationship and cross-checking it with that vision Mm. a little bit, not as like clinically, but it was always in the back of my mind as to like whether it was aligning Mm. and it was. Um, And then it was just like feeling it too. And it wasn't one of those intense, like intoxicating um, sort of like reactions that you can have when you're bonding with someone from a wounded level mm-hmm. I, I took my time and I allowed it to evolve like slower than usual which also solidified that feeling mm-hmm. and then and, and that like falling in love because it, it it didn't feel like one of those flings that just fizzled out like it starts mm-hmm. strong and then it fizzles out uh, I, I took my time basically and I kept like my sort of like north star in mind and yeah, whether that was matching. So I really like everything that you just said, because I think it's I think that's key. First of all, I think it exemplifies like your growth. So like you taking your time. And I think I mean, I'm, I can probably learn from that. I think I mean, I know people in my life can learn from that. I'm not naming names. But I feel like there's some people that I know can, because it's so relatable. I, I think with women, especially, like we get so excited about the relationship and we get so in our heads about, okay, well, okay, we're going to get married and this is what we're going to do. And like, you know, like we're going to go on a vacation and then I'm going to meet his parents. Like we just like after date one, it's already like, boom, like we already see each other in like the house with the kids. And I think that's what gets us into trouble and, <laughs> and, and why we like ignore the red flags. But I like what you said about like you sitting back and you observing, of course, we're talking about a heteronormative relationship, but I think in that sense, I mean, I think that works better, honestly. Like, I feel with 
because to me, you're in a position of control almost in power. And not to say that you're leveraging that against him, but like you're not letting your emotions or your fantasies like in your patterns, like run the show. You know what I mean? Like you were more in control of what it was that you wanted and knowing that, okay, I, this is what I want. So if you're not like him, then whatever, I'm, I'm good. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. And of course in practice, I mean, I did feel all the things like, they're like, Oh my God, I see the house and kids. And I did, (laughs) I did feel the patterns show up, but um, maybe this is going to be helpful to someone. Actually, I, as part of the experiment, which in my head was still like going as our relationship was growing, I decided to practice like being emotionally available to myself. Mm-hmm. And whenever I would feel that anxiety or like getting too far ahead, like tendency rear its head, I use that as a signal <clears throat> to like come back to myself. Mm-hmm. And really like sit with myself and ask myself like, hey, like, let's say you have, you know, when you have like early relationship anxiety, and you're sort of like wondering, like, oh, my God, this is scary. Like, does he like me? Does he not? Like, what if he doesn't? Um, Not only did I not let that run the show, I still experienced it. But I was like, okay, let's take the time, even with this anxiety. Mm. Let's feel it. What, what does it need? Like, what does it want? Like, what is it? saying to me. So I like let I created the safe space for myself to like journal it out even the most irrational thoughts or feelings that came up and to process that with myself and I think that really built my my emotional my own emotional availability and safety to go through that process and to to take that space and not just brush off the thoughts like right like mm-hmm. cuz that doesn't actually always work. If you're like, oh, yeah, don't be anxious. Just focus on your vision, what you want. You might still feel the anxiety. So I really took the time to be like, hey, let's feel these feelings here so I can, like, move through them um, and so I can, like, tend to them, if that mm. makes sense. Mm-hmm. No, it makes ton of sense to me. And, yeah, I think it's – I think that's key. And I speak from my own experience because I was attracting a lot of emotionally unavailable men, and that showed me that I was being emotionally unavailable myself and I think that's another key it's like it's so easy to be like oh well he's an avoidant type and I'm anxious and he's unavailable but of what I've been learning through my own experience it's like oh well he's not the only one who's unavailable or who are you know like I was at to a certain extent too why else would I attract this man into my life so um, I think that's important like exercise or just a something for us to keep in mind when we're dating is to be emotionally available to ourselves because then we're able to be more emotionally available to our partners. Right. A hundred percent. I couldn't agree more. And that was part of our journey of growth together. Mm -hmm. We are both not, I can't say that we were a hundred percent emotionally available when we met. Mm -hmm. Um, We evolved into that together. But one thing I did see that was important to me was that he had this willingness to get uncomfortable and meet me in those conversations. Mm. Um, and that was a good sign. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's a really good sign. And I think, yeah, for people who are like, how do I meet a guy like that? Like, I'm just like, one, I feel like it was because it was your time and you probably like you were in that place of looking for that partner. And he probably was on his own journey. I would imagine like trying to look for someone like you so it worked, but I mean, I think it's just doing the work and you use your time being single, like working on yourself. Yeah. And even like the relationship with him, mm-hmm. I used it like to, to continue that work. And it was so scary at first to, to voice like my needs and what I wanted and uh, boundaries and all that. It was like, honestly terrifying, but you know what? It showed me that people who are relationship potential, mm. right? They're not just going to run away when you do that. Mm. Yeah. And that's important key. Important. Yeah. yeah. It was important to see that like he was willing to show up in those moments and discuss it and stick around and meet my needs. And even if our timelines weren't perfectly aligned in the beginning, there was that willingness mm. and that was like a huge 
it was healing for me because uh, in the past I had gotten involved with people who literally ran away when I expressed my feelings. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. So you can develop that story that like, oh my God, I'm going to express my feelings and it's going to be over. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I get it. I've been there for sure. So, and then I think a lot of other people can relate because it happens. And then you hear like from social media, like wherever that when you meet someone who who's going to be aligned with you, he's going to be, or she's going to be open to those conversations. So it's nice to know that that is true. It's not just a little fairy tale that we hear <laughs> that you, <laughs> that you'll actually can meet somebody who will have those conversations with you openly and honestly and, and not run away. So that's, that's good to know that they exist out there. <laughs> oh, it's the only the only way to find out is to do it. And you just made me think of something that was very um, encouraging for me too. Because, mm-hmm. like, with my background, I didn't necessarily believe that. Like, I, I I didn't have firsthand experience with the relationship, the type of relationship that I wanted. Mm-hmm. I had imagined it, right? But I was like, okay, I don't know if this is actually possible. Mm-hmm. And I found a couple of examples in my like circle of friends and coworkers, like a couple of like couples that really inspired me, mm-hmm. including the men in those relationships, and that was evident to my brain that it does exist mm-hmm. and that that was sort of like encouraging too yeah yeah they're like um Lacey Phillips from to be magnetic I don't know if you've heard of her but she calls them expanders so cause, yes because they're expanding your vision you're expanding your your subconscious to to know that that is like you just said like it's possible and you're teaching you're rewiring your brain to be like yep you can meet those men. It's possible. Like you don't have to settle for the shit that you've been settling for. So (laughs) exactly. And then the only way to meet them is to practice. And it's possible that you will like voice your needs or start these conversations and that they will run away. And what you don't want to do in that moment is internalize that Mm -hmm. and be like, Oh my God, this means that like, I'll never have love. This means that it's not possible. Um, you just want to keep going. I love that. All right. So I'm going to move on to like the questions about the, the questions that you asked about boundaries. Like how, did, how I want to people to, to get a glimpse of like, what did you say? Like conversation examples of like how to set boundaries, because I think that's really important. And we were just talking before we started recording how I had this conversation with a friend about boundaries. And it's just really important to have in, in dating, but it's so scary to express them. Because I mean, for me, and I think a lot of people can relate, it's just this fear of being rejected, a fear of the person that you want is not going to respect your boundary, and therefore it's going to run away. And so you're not going to have the guy or the person who you think you want to have, even though the person that you want to have would respect the boundary, but whatever. But, you know, it just makes us feel like we can't express or it's scary to express our boundaries. So what are your tips? What's your advice? Like, how did you start doing that? I think there's two pieces to that. There's the inner piece, like the relationship with yourself, uh, your beliefs about boundaries and communication. And then there's the outer piece, which is how to actually voice it and what to do. And for that inner piece, like I, I did unpack why I, I, I started becoming aware of my fear of communication and why that was right. If, if it's totally normal to be afraid of rejection and it's even more normal to be afraid of expressing yourself. If in the past you've been rejected for it, you've been punished for it. You've been taught that your needs don't matter. So acknowledging that reality, right. That I had some stuff to work through around that. Um, and then, unpacking like what are the beliefs that I have internalized around like communication around expressing myself what am I afraid of addressing the fears okay I'm afraid that he'll reject me and then what and really like so I did some of that inner work to like understand that and face those fears with myself so that's one piece Mm -hmm. 
Uh, the second piece of the inner work before even expressing anything uh, is to be able to identify what you're experiencing. Mm. What is it that you feel? What is it that you need? That will help you get clear on like what you want to communicate to someone else, what you want to request from them, what kind of boundary you want to set. So that, that's why your relationship with yourself is like the starting point before mm. even like going to someone else. So what is a boundary? Um, it's either sort of like a request or an expectation, or it's a line that you don't want crossed, something that's not okay with you. Mm. And to be aware of when to do that, you just have to be connected to yourself on a regular basis. Um, understand what's coming up. So let's say you're feeling uncomfortable. Let's say like you're with a guy, you're somewhere together and you feel discomfort about something that's happening. Okay, so you pay attention to that discomfort. What is it revealing to you? Oh, oh my God, let's say I'm not comfortable getting physically intimate yet. Mm. Maybe that's what the discomfort is telling you. Okay, so now you know that this is what you want to voice. Um, as far as approaching someone with it, I think it's helpful to set the context. Mm. Um, you know, not come at it out of nowhere, which can create this like more tense conversation. You want it to be, because it can be uncomfortable for both parties to have these difficult conversations. So I, I do find it helpful to set the context. Like, hey, just so you know, um, like, for example, the first time I had a hard conversation with my now husband, I was starting to feel ready to define the relationship. Mm. And the way I approached that conversation was that I, I said that my goal, I wanted to bring this up because I'm really enjoying getting to know him and I want to open the lines of communication because that's really important to me. Mm -hmm. And that no matter what he says, it's okay. Like I just really value transparency and based on, you know, where he's at, I want to know where he's at and if where he's at and where I'm at is compatible. Mm -hmm. So that's sort of like how I set the context. So it, did, it felt less scary for me, right? Because I didn't like just blurt it out, out of nowhere. Mm. So number one, be in touch with yourself. Uh, understand your fears of communications, your beliefs about communications. So, so you can be better equipped to have those conversations. Then once you identify something that needs to be expressed, set the context of the person. You could be like, hey, is this a good time to talk? Or I want to talk about this right now. Or if something is coming up on the spot, you can say like, hey, this just came up for me. So set a little context and then just share outwardly what it is that you need, what it is that you're experiencing. And focus on like I statements. Mm -hmm. Don't make assumptions about what they're going to say. And just wait and see how they react, because that is actually an opportunity for you to see if that person cares about your needs and your boundaries. Mm. And then the third critical piece is when we set a boundary, we can't control what the other person is going to do. Obviously, ideally, they care. They're cool with it. They adjust. But we have to know that if they don't, then our actions should like basically stay true to our boundary mm. like the piece that we're in control of is ourselves right. right right yeah which can be tricky because I've I've gone back on stuff that I said like you know setting a boundary and then being like yeah because you know you're well, for me I was like so into somebody and I'm like well I want to see him right I want to talk to him so I'm gonna I'm going to go back on what I said wasn't going to work for me. Oh, we've <laughs> all been there. It's so tough, but that's how we teach people to like treat us in these imbalanced ways. Like mm -hmm. maybe not consciously, right? Maybe they're not like bad people, but that's sort of how we set the ground up for a dynamic where our needs are not going to be valued as much. Right. Exactly. And it's, yeah. And that's exactly what happened with, with me. It's just it's it's so like almost cliche at this point be, because we've hear, we've heard it so often, 
And for whatever reason, I mean, again, like I will include myself, like I've ignored advice like this before, but it's just because I think it goes back to what we were talking about earlier in our conversation about the self-worth and the self-trust piece, because if you have that already in place, you're going to be okay with setting your boundaries and abiding by them. Yeah. And then you'll inevitably collect a couple of pieces of evidence of people actually raising to your expectation, to your Mm. standards. And then it gets easier from that point. Yes. And I like that about like raising the bar a little bit. Like, I I don't know. I just feel like a lot of us, I'm going to say as a woman, I think the bar is really low for guys right now. I mean, you're out of the scene, so you don't, but like, but like, it's really low at this point, like basic, just basic manners, basic things that I think are just like what you should expect from a man, especially in the courting or dating phase are now like, like these big, like almost like let's throw a man a parade because he actually called you (laughs) when he said that he would, right? So like... Just basic human stuff. But now we're like, because guys have set such a low bar for so long. So when they do something that you've wanted for so long, it's like, wow, my God, this guy's a keeper. Meanwhile, it's like I said, it's like the bare minimum. Mm -hmm. And, and it's like, it's so important to keep our boundaries and to keep our standards high. And it's not because, you know, to be like, to be so exclusive or or to just keep people out, but it's just because like, you have to know what you're worthy of having. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you have to, I think that's where those expanders are helpful because then you know that it's like out there, even though it's not reflecting your current reality. Yeah, I I would agree with that. And then it doesn't mean being like super hardcore or rigid. I think the more you trust your ability to set boundaries, because here's the thing, there's different contexts, right? Sometimes you have to set a boundary on the spot, like in the example that I never finished, but like, let's say you don't want to get physically intimate and things are escalating. And Mm -hmm. then that's the time it kicks in. Maybe you didn't expect it, but you have to set the boundary on the spot. Sometimes you have more time to like create a conversation and um, you can never know. But if, and that ties back to that self-trust piece, the more you trust yourself that no matter what kind of situation you encounter, your sense of healthy boundaries will kick in. Mm the more you can be flexible as you navigate through life, right? But I think in the beginning, it does help to be a little more rigid or um, even have this like, uh, I don't believe in dating rules personally, but I believe in guiding principles. And I think you can create your own guiding principles. Like if you know that something is a pattern for you, you're like, oh my God, I know that I have a tendency to be loose with my boundaries when I really like someone. I'm going to watch out for that. For a little while, you might decide to be really, really strict about mm. that. Until you feel that it's more natural, you trust yourself with it. And you're like, well, now I can do what I want. Because if someone shows up in a way that's not meeting my standards, like I know that I'll know exactly what to do. I'll know how to react. So that allows you to, to like relax into it a little bit more. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I like, yeah, I like that. And I can definitely see that. I can see someone being like swinging to the opposite spectrum just because like, they really want to practice and embody what it means to have boundaries, because I think it's another thing too, that it's, it, I think, and this is a whole other conversation, but like a lot of us are like acting from the mind and we're always doing, but like, you have to feel stuff too in your body. And that's mm-hmm. where, and that's the safety place too, like the safety piece where it's like, I don't know how to explain it, but you have to feel the boundary in your body to, and I think to, in order to like really integrate and implement it. Oh, Yes. Totally. And you know, that changes your your sort of like energy too. In many ways, I think like, to bring it back to what you were sharing about dating yourself and your relationship with yourself, the more we treat ourselves like, you know, in ways that reflect our high standards, like I'm a freaking goddess, like Mm -hmm. even if there's no man in my life, like, and like, I expect nothing but the best, like, the more that gets embodied in your energy, inevitably, I do think that affects like the type of people you mesh with and how people show up. And that's never to say that it's like someone's fault if like a man is showing up in a disrespectful way. I don't believe that. Right. But I do believe that the more you like honor yourself, cherish yourself, the less like 
naturally you'll be like way less available for that. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. I totally agree. Well, I'd like to end each episode with a rapid little quiz about these single topics that I have. So if you're ready, I have my questions for you. Sure. Okay. So what was your favorite thing that you did while you were single? Like what's a good, what's a good memory that you had? Hands down, my trip to Portugal with my best friend, Grace, we were both out of long-term relationships at the same time. She, I was going to go solo. She decided to like spontaneously join me. Mm-hmm. It was like absolutely iconic. We had a blast. It was like messy. It was funny. It was all the things. <laughs> oh, fun. Yeah. I love Solo trips are fun too, but when you go with your friend and just do your thing. All right. My next question is, what are the things that you take the most seriously in your life? Um, My relationship with myself. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I'm telling people like that's, that's the relationship you got to work on. (laughs) Like that's the (laughs) one. Uh, Like really best single woman movie. He's just not that into you. I love it. It's like a hard truth, but it's it's so relatable and so good. It's so true. I actually wrote, I rewatched it not too long ago and I wrote an article for it uh, about it, like me rewatching the experience. And it's on Scary Mommy, by the way, everyone, if you want to Google that. And it was basically me saying how relatable the movie is. Like, I was like, if you can't see, I know it's a cheesy rom-com movie. It's not one of the classics but it's actually probably the most relatable movie. Like every scenario, every couple in that movie is relatable. Like you've known those people, you've been those people. Like, Oh yeah. And it's like sort of like even to this day, right? Like, I mean, yeah, it was made like I think 14 years ago or something, but it still holds up. Like it's still relatable. I'm like, yeah, Gigi. I've totally been Gigi, who's like hanging around the bar <laughs> looking for the guy yeah, to come back. I think we've all been Gigi, <laughs> <laughs> like waiting for the phone to ring. Or, I mean, I've been I've been a couple of those girls in that movie. So I was like, "Yep, relatable movie." Totally agree with your choice. All right, what is your favorite single girl? bad bitch anthem song uh, seven rings by ariana grande <laughs> oh i like i love ariana and uh that's a good one we haven't had that one before i'll add it to the playlist and uh, we have a little playlist for the podcast so i'm oh, adding everyone's songs. i do feel like it like matches the vibe like yeah yeah i like yeah it's good She's, she's, well, she's, she's a, she's a bad bitch in the best possible way. What is your, oh, my last question. What is your greatest wish for all single women? To, to fall madly in love with themselves on the journey to like falling in love with someone else. That's what it's all about. Like just the idea of falling in love with yourself is just, I don't know. It just feels really good to even just say, (laughs) It does. It really does. And the world is like so designed to disconnect you from that. So it's one of the most important things you can do, right? Like if we look for not enoughness, like we're going to find it everywhere. Like there are opportunities to not like love ourselves, to disconnect from ourselves, to distract like left and right in modern society. And it's, it's almost like radical to, but it's so important. Yeah, I love yeah, I love that. It's like a radical act to love yourself, which should inspire people to do it because a lot of us like to do contrarian things. So <laughs> So just love yourself despite society. Well, Enmar, thank you so much for coming on to the show. Where can people find you and connect with you and work with you? Uh, you can find me uh, on the School of Relating Instagram page, um, which I guess I can send you the link in the show notes. And I'm currently working on releasing our first course, which is called Finding Safety Sexy. And it's all about breaking that pattern of being attracted to emotionally unavailable people and actually finding safe people attractive. So no, you don't have to force yourself to date people you feel no spark with. There's a better way. And that's what that course is about. Oh my gosh, I love that. Finding Safety Sexy. It's a great title. Thank you. I'm super excited. Um, It definitely speaks to a lot of the things we, we discussed today.
Yeah, for sure. Well, that's great. I'm glad that that's out there. And thank you so much for coming on and, and having this conversation with me. It was my pleasure. I had so much fun. Thanks for having me. I, I love the concept of your show. Um, and I'm super grateful that you had me as a guest. If you seriously loved what you heard today, I would seriously appreciate a rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. It really does help the show grow. If you have an idea for a topic you'd like to hear discussed on the show, or if you're single and would like to apply to be a guest, please email seriouslysinglepodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to subscribe to my Substack newsletter, briannehogan.substack.com, where you can get all the latest updates and essays and writings about relationships and being single, as well as listen to an extended version of the podcast where me and a guest will answer your questions. Plus, there's just like a lot of cool stuff on my Substack. Like if you think I'm super vulnerable and open on the podcast, well, you haven't read one of my essays yet. So thanks for being here and I'll be back next week with a brand new episode of Seriously Single.